Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my vegetable garden and on my allotment. Now I'm starting this week on Thursday the 10th of March 2022 and you will find me down on the allotment today. Me and Roxy have came down here today, I've taken a day off work and we have cracked on and started spring cleaning. Now the first thing I should say, you might hear in the background the building works that are going on. Alongside my allotment for the last couple of years, a new road has been going in and that's why I've avoided coming down to the allotment during the week because the noise and the building work is not very pleasant and it is literally alongside my allotment. They are actually nearing completion, I believe, but it's not pleasant, the noise, I've got to say. We've, we've got coped with it today and made the best of it. Now, as you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've had storms and we have had vandals on our allotment. And they have made an awful mess of our allotment. I've always said this is part of allotment life. This is what you sign up for when you get an allotment and it's going to happen. And this won't be the last time that it happens. But unfortunately, they did leave an awful mess. So... Yeah, that involved a lot of cleaning up. The first thing that I had to tidy up was a broken glass. And going around the greenhouse, outside the greenhouse, inside the greenhouse, picked up a lot of broken glass. I filled a bucket up with broken glass. It is a lot. It took a while to do that, but I had to make sure every single little piece was picked up and put safely away. And we'll get that down to the tip at our earliest convenience. Unfortunately, none of this glass can be recycled, so it's got to go. Now, after that, I cleared out a few of our weeds that were in various beds, just to break things up a little bit. And then a lot of the wooden pieces and a lot of my clippings that were stacked up fairly neatly, the kids had thrown all over the place. So I've, I've picked up a lot of those. Now, I was going to chop these all up. I, I didn't bring my lawnmower down with me today, but I was going to chop up all these clippings and compost them. And then I realised a lot of it is wooden branches from where I've had to cut things down. And what I could actually do with those is pop them in my hugel culture bed, which is what I've done. Now, the hugel culture is a bed that I'm creating this year. If, and nobody knows what hugel culture is. What I understand, and this is my first year experimenting with hugel culture, is you place wood in the bottom of a bed and then you cover that over with compost and the wood acts as like a sponge to hold on to moisture. Now, that might be a very, very simple explanation and I don't know how well it's going to work. This is the first time I've ever tried it. So we will be finding out throughout this year just how well it works. But uh, again, this is, <laughs> this is where I'm just using what I have to my advantage and see just how well it does. Now with the clippings all tidied up, I then concentrated on the bottom half of the plot, just clearing out a few weeds and tidying things up, just making it all look a little bit better. And I'm pleased to say, you know, I feel like I've accomplished something today. It does look a lot better. I've added some more strouch to the onion and garlic bed and finished off that bag. Just wanted it, the bag gone, you know, how, how annoying it can get sometimes when you have stuff lying around. So I just used that up and got it gone. And yeah, I feel like I've accomplished something on this allotment now. What I've got to do, I'm going to go home in just a moment. In a couple, on Saturday, I'm going to come down with a lawnmower and just run around with a lawnmower and a strimmer and that will tidy everything up just nicely. And then perhaps next week we'll concentrate on the top half of the plot. And again, that should tidy things up just nicely. 
Now, I keep saying spring is here. Spring is indeed here, and I'm certainly seeing the signs. Daffodils are out, and many of our fruit trees are just starting to bud, which means very soon we're going to have some flowers. But I've not seen many pollinating insects yet this year. I saw my first bumblebee today, and I think that's an exception because it's been a pretty funny year weather-wise. This has got me thinking, what can we do if we don't have many pollinating insects around when our plants are in flower this early. Will you join me in my greenhouse at home for this little section? The reason for that is quite simply, I have a peach tree that I keep in my greenhouse over winter in order to avoid peach leaf cull. But being inside this greenhouse, it means it sets flower a lot earlier than if it was outside. At the moment, it is looking absolutely stunning. It is covered in hundreds and hundreds of these little pink flowers that have fully opened and are just bursting, bursting for pollinating insects, such as a bee or anything like that, to come along and start using its pollen and pollinating every single flower in order that it will produce peaches for us. It's quite an important part. But as I just said in the diary section, I've only just seen my first bee for this year. It's been a pretty cold and wet year so far, I feel. And for bees, that's not great. They need to get out and about. They need to go and find these flowers and do their pollination thing in order to make honey for their hive back at home. Now, because this peach tree is in a greenhouse, it's a lot harder for a bee to get in here and pollinate it. So... I have got to act like a bee with this tree. And what I'm going to do, I've got a little soft little paintbrush that I'm just going to go in to the flower, whirl it around a bit in the flower and then move to the next. Now the idea here, this little paintbrush is acting like a bee. It's collecting pollen on itself and then as it moves on to the next one, it shares that pollen with the next flower. The male and female reproductive organs of a flower are at work here. Now by doing this, I can guarantee that I'm going to get some peaches this year. I think when you grow your own fruit, you, there's never any guarantee that you are going to get fruit. But by doing this, I can pretty much guarantee that I will get peaches on this tree. Now our, our trees outside are not quite yet into flower but I can see they are buds in and they are about to break so it's not going to be long before these uh, flowers are going to need pollinated. Now if the weather stays like it's been over these last couple of days, these nice warm sunny longer days then it shouldn't be too bad but if it does turn cold and it does turn wet then I may have to go around and pollinate my outdoor fruits by hand as well in order to ensure I can get plenty of fruit this year. It's a little bit annoying and I've never actually had to do it outside. I've never had a year where that's been necessary. In a greenhouse, like I say, it's definitely necessary just to guarantee I can get fruit. But outside, not so much. But of course, what we can do to try and encourage some of our pollinating insects into our gardens is to plant some spring flowering flowers. At the moment, I'm seeing daffodils and tulips and primroses and crocuses showing up and in flower. And I've got to say, they do look absolutely stunning. And they are certainly a, a, a nice and welcome addition to the garden to add a bit of colour. But these were planted back in autumn and 
I only really plant daffodils and tulips, one for a bit of colour, but also in order to encourage my pollinating insects into my garden at this time of year, when there is a lack of food source for these insects. And it just helps go on and encourage them into my garden, and I'll keep coming back for more and more, and hopefully then they will also find some of my other trees, some of my other fruits, and pollinate those. And if we carry on that right throughout the year, there's a very good chance we're going to get better and better harvests, because the insects are doing the work for us, and doing what the plant wants them to do as well. Now that may sound a little bit complicated, a little bit hard work, but trust me, it's not that hard. It's, it's very simple to do this. Now these techniques are all very simple and I'm sure that many of you will not need to hand pollinate them but it's something to think about. More importantly I think if you're looking at flowers for next year think about your daffodils, think about your tulips. I know they're not necessarily edible but they are something to think about and it's certainly fine that it works in my garden. Right, let's head back to the gardening. <coughs> It is Saturday the 12th of March 2022 today and you join me in my back garden. I have had another absolutely beautiful day working in the blazing hot sun, cracking on and getting my vegetable garden up to scratch. The spring clean has started. I spent the day just tidying up a lot of areas of my back garden. Now, what I was doing, I was just going around methodically from one area to the next, working out what I needed to clear out and what I wanted to do with whatever I came across. So a lot of it was cleaning out some of the dead and dying back leaves. That's all gone onto the lawn. And there was a few items that as I came across it, I decided, do I want to keep or not? Particularly some angled planters which I'm going to move down to the allotment I bought these last year they were an interesting product but uh, I'm going to move them down to the allotment and we'll use them down there a lot of pots have been moved around and tidied up as well but um, yeah I got the veg patch just looking a lot better now around one of the beds I have erected a wire fence now this is to stop the chickens and Roxy getting into that bed but also making it so I can get in and out quite easily. Now this is about three foot tall so I should be able to and I can step over it. A bit of a, a, bit of a step but I, I can step over it to get into the bed to do some weeding, uh, do some planting, harvest whatever I need and basically get access to the bed as and when I need it. So... I'm going to spend this year seeing if it works and we may implement it on the other beds as well but I also may in the future build something a bit more substantial a bit more uh, permanent shall we say to, in order to keep the chickens and Roxy off the bed now I love keeping chickens and I love keeping Roxy of course but they don't go well together when you're planting plants I think they would dig up well, I know the chickens will dig up a lot of plants and I think Roxy will as well. So we've got to restrict access to the beds from those. I followed that up by planting the patio plum tree that I bought last week into a large pot ready to go onto our patio area. I spoke about this last week. We're going to grow a nice patio orchard. And this is the newest addition to that. It's It's gone into a fairly large pot, 30 centimetre pot at the top, terracotta, so it should weigh it down quite nicely. But as I said last week, these trees should not get too tall. They certainly will not be taller than me, which is ultimately what we want. 
And then to finish off, I ran round with a lawnmower, basically to shred up all the materials that I've collected and thrown on the lawn, as well as cutting the grass, in order to make some good compost material. So, yeah, very, very productive day, I've got to say. I certainly feel like spring is upon us. We've got daffodils and tulips into flower, and my peach tree in the greenhouse is in beautiful flower as well. So, yeah, spring is definitely here. Roll on the growing season. Now, something that I'm going to be checking over is whether I've got enough feeds and fertilisers in my shed. And I'm going to talk to you a little about that. Feeds and fertilisers. This is something that I seem to collect and seem to have a lot of. Now, I do use quite a few feeds and fertilisers. I think they're very important for adding that feed to the soil so the plants will grow up and grow strong. Um, I've got quite a collection. Now, not everything, I'm afraid to say, has a label. What I tend to do is I'll have, I keep the liquid feeds, which I'll come to in a moment, in the, the containers that they come in. But my solid feeds, which are very easy to sprinkle, they tend to come in cardboard boxes, which I think is, is great. Cardboard boxes are good for the environment, they're recyclable. But the only trouble is when they're out in a shed and it gets a bit humid, the boxes do disintegrate. So what I'd like to do is move all my solid feeds and fertilisers into juice containers the reason that i like to use juice containers is that what i find is one they store really well they keep them dry but two when i want to use them i just pop open the top the spout where we would pour the juice from and i just use that to sprinkle all around the beds it does make i find my life a lot easier and means that i don't end up having to touch it with my hands my hands end up smelling of some of these feeds and fertilizers because they can get a little bit smelly and i just find it a good way of using this our plants so i'm just looking around and seeing what have i got in here so one of these containers is a slow releasing all-purpose plant food um, I haven't got a huge amount of that. I probably will add that into any plants that I have growing in pots. I won't be doing that just yet. I'll wait until either when I'm planting them. So I'll mix that in with a compost or perhaps um, nearer May time I will probably start using that. Um, what have I got towards the back here? Let's have a, have a look, shall we? mycorrhizal fungi now this is fantastic stuff i add this all the time it is um it basically adds into the soil and it creates like a fungi network amongst plants which almost acts as a, like a communication network between plants so if one gets attacked it warns all the others and they start preparing themselves mycorrhizal fungi absolutely brilliant thing if you can get hold of some it's fairly easy to get hold of use it and use it just got another bottle of michael i just found another tub of mycorrhizal fungi so that's good that's good what else have we got a box of fish blood and bone now this is still in its cardboard box so i've got to find a juice container for it at the earliest opportunity and then what i want when i pour it into a juice container i make a label up that sticks on there so i know exactly what is in it uh fish blood and bone an organic based all-purpose fertilizer which provides the nutrients for growth of healthy plants and to encourage flowering 
uh, its MPK is 4.0, 7.0, 4.0. So it's high in uh, phosphorus, which means it should be a pretty good one for general rig growth. And now the fish blood and bone, I just sprinkle around on the soil when it comes to planting time. Uh, it does attract, I find sometimes, it does attract foxes' attention because they can smell it and they think there's a chance for a snack. So I like to pull it onto the soil before I plant anything so it, the foxes will come along uh, and not dig up any plants. Added to that, I've also got some bone meal. I just found a box of bone meal, which is another slow-release plant food. Again, I would use this around the time of just before planting. And bone meal is actually very good for building roots. So you can also add it around the stems of plants once they're going. Not, bone meal doesn't attract foxes so much, but it's uh, it can do, I would say. It can attract foxes to a certain extent organic potato fertilizer is another one now i tend to use this on my potatoes as the name suggests and what i do when i plant out my potatoes i tend to sprinkle this on the surface and into the potato hole where i'm planting my potatoes and then as the plants grow i keep adding a bit of potato fertilizer about every probably two weeks two weeks to a month potatoes are very hungry plants so they do need quite a bit of food and this organic potato fertilizer i found to be a, a good way of adding some good food as well as plenty of compost of course grow more now this is a good one actually i recommend using this a lot it's a um it's a plant food it's general it's a general plant food so it's good for pretty much every single plant that you can find it's slow release so you can add it into your pots as well but i tend to like to add it again as we grow throughout the season and before planting uh what's this one epsom salts now that is epsom salts is um it's not necessarily a feed. What I find is if my cabbages start to yellow, uh, I've had a few Epsom salts and that tends to sort them out and tends to just give them a pick me up to start making them look a little bit healthier. Just thinking I might add some of that to my garlic because my garlic is starting to look a little bit yellow at the moment, which isn't surprising because it's been under stress throughout this last season. So perhaps a bit of Epsom salts might just perk them up enough that they can start to look better. Um, what else have we got? Lime, garden lime. That's a good one I, for cabbages. I tend to use that before we plant out our, our cabbages. And it just basically adjusts the pH, makes the, the soil a bit more alkaline that cabbages tend to like. So, yeah, garden lime is a, a very, or any brassicas for that matter, actually. Garden lime is quite an important one. Now moving on from that, I've got an organic tomato feed in liquid form. Now, I, I do use tomato feed and I use it obviously on tomatoes or pretty much any fruiting crop. So it could be my raspberries, my peach tree, my um, uh, cucumbers, uh, those sort of things all use a tomato feed. Now, this bottle has not been opened. I've had it for about two, three years, I think, but I haven't opened it yet and started to use it. Reason being, quite simply, I use a, a leachate from my wormery, a liquid runoff, which I find to be a really good 
plant food. So I don't tend to use many all, all that type of liquid plant food. I'm going to have to use it this year because I want to use it up and just see how it gets on. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of feeding this year. And then the final one that I've got here is seaweed extract. Now, this is a plant feed that I use a lot of and I use it at this time of year because what I find with this seaweed plant extract plant food uh, is that it, when your plants are young and they're seedlings this seems to give them a really good start in life it helps build some really strong roots and if a plant has got strong roots it can only do better now this seaweed extract I find to be more of a foliar feed which means that the plant absorbs it through the leaves so you have to spray it onto the plant it does take it up through the roots as well but I do find it is better as a foliar feed where the plants take it in through their feeds through their leaves sorry well that is all my feeds and fertilizers that I have in this shed after a bit of organisation, I'm rather pleased to say. Um, I can't think of any that I do need. I think we're going to do okay. I think we've got enough for the year. So that's a good good sign. All right, back to the gardening. <coughs> Will you join me back in the potting shed this evening on Monday the 14th of March 2022 and I'm just sowing some seeds. This seems to be something that I do every Monday now just to finish the week off. I'm sowing some uh, cabbage, a few more cabbages. I'm always growing cabbages at the moment. Some celery and some celeriac seeds. Just sprinkling these over the surface of some seed compost in my little trays when where we will then place them in some propagators to get them off to a start and uh, see how they get on throughout this year. What I'm really looking forward to is eating these, of course. They're going to be, many of these are going to take a long time before they produce anything. But that's right. I'm in this for the long haul, and I do the same every year. Now, I tend to use seed compost when I start my seeds off, as uh, many of you know. Not many, everybody does this, I know, and there's a lot of debate whether it's worth doing, but I just prefer to do it because I find it does give them a better start because seed compost has, it's very low in nutrients, but it's also very easy to break apart so the roots don't struggle through it and the seed itself doesn't struggle to break through the surface of this compost. That's my belief anyway, and my own understanding and discovery. You may well have a different outtake, and I would love to hear that, of course. And now, of course, please do get in touch. My email address is richard at the veggrowerpodcast.co.uk. You can also get in touch through my website, thevegrowerpodcast.co.uk, where you can leave a voicemail or leave a comment. And you can also find me on social media. Just search for The Veg Grower Podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, it's been of some use to you, please do leave me a review in your podcast app. I really do appreciate all the reviews I get. And if you really want to support me, and I really do appreciate everybody that supports me, then why not become a member of our supporters club? I charge £5 a month to be a member of this supporters club and for that you get extra podcasts about twice a week on average, uh, extra podcasts behind the scenes let you know what I'm up to and what's going on. But you also, once a month, get a collection of seeds sent out to your door that you can sow that very month. We all sow them as a bit of a club and a bit of a talking point, I like to think of it. 
what I've set these up is that those seeds can be sown that month. So you haven't got them hanging around for weeks or months waiting to be sown. They're there to go that very month. I think that just about covers everything that I have to say. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back again next time. So until then, please take care.